Baseball is unlike any other professional sport. What happens in April can come back to bite you in October. The only sport where you can play 162 games in your season can come down to one last strike. The stakes are high. All of the work, all of the ups and downs, all of those batting practices, bullpen sessions, and coaches meetings can all be over in an instant. Game three of the wildcard series between the Padres and the Mets would come down to this one last game. One team would head off into the offseason disappointed and headed to next year. The other would move on to take on the mighty Dodgers in the National League Division Series. I'm Matt Scraby, and this is 12 Games in October. With so much pressure on the line, the Padres had just the guy they needed making the start in this game. Hometown hero Joe Musgrove. Every single kid who played baseball growing up had the same dream. I know I did. You dream of hitting the game-winning home run or pitching a shutout for your childhood team. Joe Musgrove got to live those childhood dreams and had done a lot to make the San Diego fan base fall in love with him. But really, the legend started on April 9th, 2021. An almost movie-like script was being written in Texas that night. The Padres organization had gone 8,205 regular season games and 40 postseason games without a no-hitter. It seemed like every time Padres pitching came close, there was something that came in the way of making history. But not the night of April 9th, 2021. No balls in one strike. The big right-hander ready and delivers. Swing and a ground ball to shortstop. Kim has it. Friendly hop. Throw to first. That is a no-hitter. And that is history. Joe Musgrove with the first no-hitter in Padre history. April 9th, 2021 at Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas. The kid comes home and he gets it done. The kid who grew up idolizing Padres great Jake Peavy did something Peavy and so many other Padres pitchers tried so many times to do. The movie-like scripts seemed to follow No-No Joe around in a Padres uniform. And this postseason meant more to him than any other. Let's go back to the first episode real quick. Remember when Joe Musgrove said this? I've been in this point in 17 as a uh, division winner, not a wild card, but this feels so much sweeter than anywhere, any, any other win that we've had, man. He had postseason experience when he was with the Astros in 2017, but as you heard him say in his interview with Tony Gwynn Jr., nothing compared to this moment for him. After establishing himself as a premier pitcher in 2021, he would have a first half of 2022 to remember. In his first 12 starts of 2022, he wouldn't lose a game. During that span, Joe Musgrove won eight games and had the lowest total number of earned runs given up as well as the lowest ERA in team history. He was selected to the All-Star game and got to show the world what he was all about by pitching in the third inning of the game. Not too shabby when you strike out two of the four batters you see and one of those batters being Aaron Judge with a nasty slider to end the inning. Finally, someone who was a San Diegan was representing everyone very well. To cap it all off, the Padres announced just a few weeks later they had agreed to a five-year, $100 million contract to keep Joe Musgrove in a Padres uniform for the foreseeable future. This story was most definitely a movie, and if we were going to title this movie, we'll call it The Legend of Joe Musgrove Part 1. I say Part 1 because what happened in Game 3 of the wildcard series against the Mets deserves a whole movie of its own. This was the game being watched by the entire country, the last game of the weekend, on ESPN. Sunday Night Baseball in prime time for everyone to see. 
The pitching matchup would be between Joe Musgrove and Mets righty Chris Bassett. Bassett was a mainstay in the Mets rotation in 2022, winning 15 games and starting 30 for New York. This was going to be no easy task for either starter, but as we would learn throughout the night, there was something magical about an elimination game atmosphere in New York City. All the talk was over, and Game 3 had begun with some dominant pitching. Both Musgrove and Bassett would retire their respective sides in order, but Bassett would lose his command in the second inning. Josh Bell led off the inning, and if you like quirky stats, here is a great one from Jesse Agler. Top of the second inning, no score. Bell, the DH, has had a very nice series as he continues to wear the Mets out. How about this one? Counting the first two games of this series, Bell has now hit in 17 consecutive games against the Mets. Switch hitter from the left side against Bassett, and he takes a first pitch cutter for a strike. That goes all the way back to last September for Josh Bell. Sometimes it's the jersey that you get a chance to see that can get you going. But it, it, Chris Bassett honesty, was in control of the at-bat with a 1-2 count. Josh Bell was looking to get that 18th straight hit against the Mets out of the way. 1-2 and two to Bell. Hard hit on the ground through the right side. And a base hit for Josh Bell to lead off the second inning. First base runner of the night belongs to the Padres as Josh Bell is now hit in 18 consecutive games against the New York Mets. That's After right, a quick top half of the first, the Padres were making things tough on Chris Bassett. With Bell on first, Jake Cronenworth would be tasked with getting Bell in scoring position. Bell at first with the third baseman Escobar cheating in and a breaking ball grounded to first base. Alonzo has it thought about second. Instead, he'll just step over to first base and get Cronenworth a productive out, though, as Bell goes to second now with one away. Great job by Josh Bell using that wide frame to really take away any throwing lane for the right-handed Pete Alonso. Maybe not how he envisioned it, but he did do his job and get Josh Bell in scoring position. With one out, longtime Padre Will Myers swung at the first pitch he saw and grounded out the short, freezing Josh Bell at second for the second out of the inning. From one quick scoring opportunity to facing a no-run inning in an elimination game. In elimination games, the ups and downs carry a lot more weight. The Padres had struggled hitting with runners in scoring position in Game 2, and that effort resulted in a Game 2 loss. If the Padres had a similar night, they would most likely be packing for the offseason. With two outs, Hasag Kim knew he had to get on base. Things were tense at City Field. Mets fans didn't even imagine this being the situation coming into the series. A battle ensued between Hasag Kim and Chris Bassett with everything culminating here. Three and two now to Hassan Kim. Bell leads at second base, and the pitch is taken outside ball four. What an at-bat by Hassan Kim. He draws the walk, and the Padres have runners on first and second for guess who, Trent Grisham. That was the first grinded-out type of at-bat this Padre lineup was able to put together, and it was a dandy by Hassan Kim. With two outs and Josh Bell on second, Kim worked a seven-pitch walk to keep the line moving. The Padres now had runners at first and second with the unlikeliest of heroes from game one, Trent Grisham at the plate. If I were to tell you Trent Grisham would be a feared hitter in the series before game one, you would have said I was insane. The reality was he was a feared hitter in this series with two home runs off of two of the best pitchers in baseball. In fact, Trent Grisham's wildcard series was so legendary he was trying to do this. Trent became only the third Padre ever to homer in consecutive postseason games. Ken Caminetti did it, and Jim Lyritz homered in three consecutive postseason games in 1998. 
Turns out, he was so feared by Chris Bassett, Bassett walked him on five pitches with most of them not even being close. Grish did it again in this series, and this time he contributed with a walk. Even if it was by design, he had earned the concern the Mets were showing him. Bassett had walked the bases loaded, and the number nine hitter, Austin Nola, was the guy who was going to have to break this game wide open. Bassett was challenging Nola head-on. Not a single ball was thrown in this at-bat, but Nola would battle and foul the next three pitches off to stay alive. And with everyone on their feet. Oh, and two again. Pitch to Nola is grounded through the left side and a base hit. Bell is on his way home. Kim is right behind him. A two-run battle single for Austin Nola. And the Padres strike first two to nothing here in the second inning. For the second time in the three-game series, the Padres had taken an early two-run lead in hostile territory. City Field was silenced. Starting to wonder if the end is actually near. And Mets fans were starting to get that sinking feeling. Meanwhile, Joe Musgrove was in complete control. He sat down the Mets 1-2-3 in the first, and in the second, Will Myers was a big part of why the inning was so quick. 0-2, McNeil grounds it to the right side. Big hop, hits the bag. Myers barehands it, throws to first. And with Musgrove covering, they get the out. The ball came down right on top of first base and popped up in the air. But Will Myers, whose defense has really been praised over there by Bob Melvin with a heads-up play, didn't panic. Musgrove was where he needed to be, and that's the second out of the inning. It helps to have an athletic, reactive first baseman. Ball hits the bag. Musgrove would force Mark Cannon to ground out, and he needed only nine pitches to get out of the inning. The story in Game 3 was starting to become crystal clear. I called the ground stuff otherworldly, but in actuality, Joe Musgrove's stuff was otherworldly. Joe Musgrove was on a mission. Chris Bassett steadied the ship in the top of the third and promptly sat down Soto, Machado, and Bell. But the cracks in the foundation had already been made. With a couple more cracks, everything would come tumbling to the ground for Chris Bassett. Once again, the Padres were faced with two quick outs after Jake Cronenworth and Will Myers went down consecutively in the top of the fourth. But then, Bassett lost command again, issuing a four-pitch walk to Ha-Sung Kim. And once again, the Padres showed urgency. Trent waiting. Kim runs. First pitch outside. Throw down to second base. No chance. Stole that on Bassett big time. And Ha-Sung Kim with a stolen base. Runner on second. Two down for Trent. Great jump by Ha Sung. Goes first pitch, and really, Niddle's throw made it a closer play than it should have been. But Ha Sung Kim still second base with two outs. Big bag. The Padres had runners in scoring position once again, with the biggest surprise of the series at the plate, and with the magnificence of October showing itself once again. Trent Grisham was the star of this series. Different kind of game so far here as the 1-1 pitch is lined into center field. That's a base hit. Kim rounding third. He's going to come in and score. Nimmo's throw is cut off by Alonzo, and Trent Grisham strikes again. An RBI single to increase the lead. 3-0 Padres in the fourth. Boy, I tell you, what a terrific stroke by Trent Grisham who all of a sudden seems locked in at the plate. With that RBI single, Trent Grisham had now notched a hit in all three games, driven in a run in all three games. And we all know about the home runs in Game 1 and Game 2. If the Padres were to win this game, Grish had already done enough to be the wildcard series MVP. 
With Joe Musgrove pitching as well as he was, something drastic was going to have to happen for the Mets to get back in this game. Joe Musgrove was getting stronger each and every inning, and his pitch count would not be an issue. 14 pitches to get through the first inning, and then nine each in the second and the third. That puts him at only 32 pitches through three innings. You can add 14 more pitches to that total. That was all Musgrove needed to get through the top of the Mets order. He once again blew away the side, retiring Brandon Nimmo, Starling Marte, and Francisco Lindor. The drama was building, and through four innings, Joe Musgrove was perfect. He had not allowed a Met to reach base yet, and those perfect game thoughts were creeping up in the back of every Padres fan's head. With no-no Joe pitching as well as he was, there were no plans of putting it in cruise control and trying to get to the end of the game. The Padres needed to extend the lead, and the Padres needed to continue being aggressive. Mets starter Chris Bassett would be chased from the game after four innings. He gave up three earned runs and he walked three batters. Also, he only threw 61 pitches and 36 of those pitches were strikes. Let's just say the top of the Padres order was not going to miss Bassett. Profar over two against Bassett. Soto over two against Bassett. Machado over two against Bassett. Those are the three guys that Peterson will face here at minimum in the fifth. Two and two. Profar swings, hits a smash through the left side and a base hit. Lead off single for Jerkson Profar. Padres are right back at it here in the fifth inning, trying to add to a 3 0 lead. The Mets had David Peterson enter the game, and with what you just heard from Jesse Agler, Bassett may have been the better choice holding those three Padres to 0 for 6 combined. Profar was now on first. Bob Melvin and the Padres were going to show everyone how much adding some insurance runs meant for the team. Lefty to lefty. Soto squares to bunt, drops it down. It'll be picked up by the pitcher. Peterson throws to first base just in time. Soto is out. They might call it a sacrifice, but it kind of looked like Soto was just trying to get himself on base any way possible. He'll take that result, though. Obviously not swinging a great bat right now. And Profar at second with one away. I don't care what it looked like. It should go down as a sack. This is Juan Soto at the plate, and he's dropping a bunt down. That's how you know it's the playoffs. We're not sure who called that sacrifice bunt, but as you heard Tony say right there, Juan Soto does not bunt, and he laid it down to get Profar that much closer to home plate. If you're keeping track, Bassett held Profar, Soto, and Manny to 0 for 6. We know that. But David Peterson entered the game for the Mets and gave up a single to Profar, a sack bunt to Juan Soto, and now this. Pitch coming. Manny with a hard hit, line drive into right field and a base hit. It'll be backhanded by Marte in the gap. Profar will round third and come home, and they manufacture another run here in the fifth inning. Manny Machado, an RBI single and a 4-0. Padre lead in the fifth. Just beautiful piece of hitting by Manny Machado. The Padres had a four-run lead and seemingly were getting stronger as the game went along. Heading into the bottom of the fifth, Joe Musgrove was still dealing. At that point, Joe was almost robot-like. No mistakes, no control issues. He was on another level of great. And we're going to find out here real soon how great Joe Musgrove was pitching that night. But let's stay in the bottom of the fifth for now. And the next hitter, love him or hate him, Met slugger Pete Alonzo is not an easy out. Now the 0-1 from Joe. That's a line drive into right field and a base hit. Mets have their first anything of the night against Musgrove. A leadoff single to the opposite field for Pete Alonzo. Joe's perfect game bid was over, but this did not face Joe Musgrove at all. He sat down the next three hitters by striking out Jeff McNeil and Daniel Vogelback. 
But sandwiched in between the first and third outs was another reason Trent Grisham would go down in Padres playoff history. This time with his gold glove worthy defense. And now the pitch from Musgrove is hit in the air to right field. Pretty well struck. Soto and Grisham both going back into the gap. Trent is on the run and he makes the catch. Slammed into the fence as he made the play. Alonzo's got to hustle back to first base and Trent Grisham does it again. You just cannot say enough about the series this young man is putting together right now. He's done literally everything in this series. He's hit the long ball. He's got big hits. And now he adds a big defensive play to the list of things he's done. Terrific gold glove-like play by Trent Grisham. Trent Grisham was now the most hated man in Mets fans' eyes after all he had done in this series. Tony Gwynn Jr. played the outfield in the major leagues and knows what it takes to be a great center fielder. He shares his thoughts on how great that Trent Grisham catch was. Because I watched Trent a lot, I, I knew he had a chance off the bat. He gets tremendous jumps. He takes tremendous routes. And when you do those two things, even if you aren't the fastest center fielder, you give your chance, yourself a chance to make a play. It's so easy to take your struggles of offense and take it to the defensive side. Never once, outside of maybe one or two games, did I think Trent did that. And I think, again, that's a, that's a testament to his character uh, on how he values defense. He didn't take – and in that particular case, his offense was going good. So um, that was just Trent being the gold glove center – the two-time gold glove center fielder that he is. The Padres would get some base traffic in the top of the six with Grisham being hit by a pitch and Nola singling. But nothing came of that, and the game still stood at 4 to nothing Padres. You've been hearing me talk about the incredible job Joe Musgrove had done to that point. Apparently, it was so incredible, Buck Showalter couldn't believe it was true. This next part of the podcast could be a podcast all on its own. Buck Showalter has come out of the first base dugout, and he's going to meet with the crew chief and first base umpire Alfonso Marquez. There's no doubt this is some gamesmanship now, whether it's actually a real thing to be concerned about. That's another question. Now it looks like they are going to call Bob Melvin out. And Marquez, the crew chief, is talking to Joe Musgrove, and they will do an inspection. And boy, Buck Showalter waited to play this particular card for a desperate moment. Joe's not seem bothered at all complying with everything that's being asked. He's got a little smirk on his face right now. A check behind his ears. I love man. He's just here shaking his head. It was a desperate move. There's no question about it. He's going to one-hit shutout through five innings. Desperate times calls for desperate measures. I guess so. And it looks like they have done whatever they're going to do. Hang with him, Buck. In a move made out of desperation by checking Joe Musgrove for illegal substances, that move would only give more power to Joe Musgrove. Buck Showalter just stopped the game in front of the entire country and most of the world to see if Joe Musgrove was cheating. With no real basis, I might add. In theory, I understand why he did what he did. And in a way, anyone cheering for the Padres should thank Showalter. Joe Musgrove went on to kick it into another gear 
and now you were never going to catch him. After Game 3, there was a lot of talk about Buck Showalter and his decision to check Joe Musgrove. Here's what Padres manager Bob Melvin said after the game. Yeah, look, I, you know, so I, I tend to be a high road guy, and I'm going to, but the problem I have is that, you know, Joe, Joe Musgrove is a man of character, and, you know, questioning his character to me, that's, that's the part I have a problem with, and I'm here to, to tell everybody that Joe Musgrove is, a, is above board as any pitcher I know, any player I know, and... Unfortunately, that happened to him because, you know, the reception that he got after that was was not warranted. So I just want everybody to know that that Joe Musgrove is a high character individual. And what about Joe Musgrove himself? Uh, I think he was checking for some kind of substance that was helping me spin the ball or something. Um, I've seen it before. I think he's done it before. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't have much to say about it. It was, you know, at the point in the game when it when it happened, I was. So dialed in already. All my pitches felt good. I felt like I was executing, so it almost just kind of lit a fire under me. It was came out, told me Buck wanted to check, you know, my face, my glove, my hat. Um, but yeah, at that point, I was so dialed in and, and so focused on on getting outs, it didn't really, you know, affect me too much. And finally, here is what Tony Gwynn Jr. thinks six months later. I knew exactly what he was doing. I didn't have it. I didn't take it the, the way a lot of San Diegans took it. Listen, you you are. At your wits' end at this point, you, this dude is shoving it down your throat. Their offense hadn't done anything. You trying to do anything to get him out of his game? And in that scenario, right, the normal things of stepping out, taking your time, trying to throw that ain't working against against Joe. And it, as it turned out, nothing was going to work. I mean, even coming out the dugout, having it his uh, ears checked, and you know. Listen, they're looking at the same thing I'm looking at. I, I I was watching spin rates and stuff. I look at that stuff every game. And what I can tell you, as we've gone over, when you are that I can't, it's hard to really explain the type of adrenaline that you get when you're pitching in that type of environment. It it is it is really hard to control your emotions enough. To be able to breathe and go out and do what you've you've done, I, I've experienced it myself. So it wasn't a surprise to see the ball coming out in a closeout game for a hometown kid pitching on that stage in New York City. It wasn't. It was easy to understand why it was coming out hotter, why it was spinning a little bit harder. And it had nothing to do with substance. It had all to do with adrenaline and him living in the moment. So I didn't take it. I, I think if I was Buck Show, Buck Show Walter's uh, shoes. I don't know if I would have gone done that, but I wouldn't have thrown it out as a, a, like a. It wouldn't have been a, a non-starter for me. If somebody was like, "Hey, man, you should have him checked." You know what? I think I should. I'm gonna go out there and do it, and it, it didn't work. We know why Buck did it, but what Buck didn't know is that he wasn't going to disrupt Joe Musgrove at all. Musgrove mowed down the Mets and retired the side one, two, three in the sixth. Mets fans rained booze down on Joe Musgrove as he walked off the field, and all Joe did was put his hand up to his ear, inviting all of the Mets fans' torment. With the lead at 4 nothing in the top of the seventh, the Padres would get runners on second and third after Juan Soto reached first base on an infield single. Then, Manny Machado came to the plate. One and two to Manny, ground ball towards third base. That's a fair ball down the line. Going to kick off the rolled-up tarp. 
On his way to third, Soto, Manny into second base. It's a double. And the Padres. With runners, have runners on, second on second and third, no outs, the Padres were in prime position to put more runs on the board. But the last three batters, Josh Bell, Jay Cronenworth, and Will Myers, would strike out to Strand, Soto, and Machado. In the bottom of the seventh, there was no question Joe Musgrove would be on the mound for the Padres. Through six innings, Musgrove had only needed 70 pitches. The low amount of pitches and the high amount of swings and misses was another measuring stick for how great Musgrove was that night. Joe would walk Starling Marte, but retired the next three batters, Lindor, Alonzo, and McNeil, with relative ease. After forcing National League batting champ Jeff McNeil to ground out to first, the hometown kid walked off the field after having pitched the best game of his career. No Padres fan would ever forget what Joe Musgrove did that night. Here's Bo Mel talking about Joe Musgrove. Man, like the first inning. You know, it, once you get through the first, that's the one that's sometimes most difficult on a, on a starter. But from the second inning on, it's just locating with everything, using all his pitches. You could see the resolve in his face and the demeanor he had, and he was on a mission today. The score was still 4 nothing Padres, but there was no opportunity to relax. Hassan Kim walked to lead off the inning. Trent Grisham singled to put Kim on second. The Mets would be forced to keep their deficit right at four and would bring in Edwin Diaz for the second straight night. Austin Nola would sacrifice himself to get Kim to third and Grisham to second. And with one out, Juan Soto eyed that icing on the cake. Pitch to Soto, grounded through the left side. That's a base hit. Both runs going to come in and score. Kim is home. Here they come in a two-run single. Juan Soto delivers, and it's 6 to nothing. San Diego in the eighth. Big knock for Juan Soto. After a 100-plus win campaign, the Mets were down 6 nothing with only six more outs left in their season. And the Padres' bullpen was going to be very, very difficult to crack. Robert Suarez came into the game for the Padres in the bottom of the eighth and would need only 11 pitches to hold the Mets to a zero on the scoreboard. Only three more Mets outs, and the Padres were heading on to the next round. Even though this wasn't a safe situation, Josh Hader came on with a 6-0 lead to make sure the Mets did not make a miraculous comeback. He struck out Nito, forced Nimmo to ground out, and with two outs, Hader would be set up to close it out. Here's the pitch to Marte. Swung on, grounded slowly to third. Manny charges, now plays the hop. Throw to first is in time! And the Padres have not only captured the moment, they have captured the wild card series. And it's on to Los Angeles for game one of the NLDS Tuesday night at Dodger Stadium. There will be playoff baseball at Petco Park in 2022. What a night for Joe Musgrove. What a night for the Padres. The Padres did what so many media members thought they couldn't do. Not only did they win the three-game series, they did it on the road among some of the loudest fans in baseball. And they did it with players the regular season was not kind to. Trent Grisham was hands down the wildcard series MVP. He would be remembered for his two homers, some more timely hits, and a catch in center field the computers didn't even think was possible. The Padres may have been 3,000 miles away, but they wanted to make sure San Diego knew every fan was there in spirit. Much like the first celebration, this one had energy, but the energy was different. They just played three games on the road and needed every last ounce of energy to come home with a victory. This celebration was definitely a celebration but a celebration knowing there was more to be done.
But that didn't stop Tony Gwynn Jr. from once again donning a poncho and heading down to the champagne and beer being sprayed through the air clubhouse. Goggles were on and Tony was ready to talk to some Padres. Let's start with the hero of Game 3 and the hometown guy, Joe Musgrove. Tony asked him what this win means for San Diego. I've been waiting for a moment like this for a long time. You know, at the big league level in general, but for it to be in San Diego, it means more than anything to me. Um, I really put a lot of the pressure and weight on my shoulders of the people back in San Diego, the fans here, the girlfriends and wives up in that section to, to come through for us today, and I was able to. And, of course, Tony asked him about how Buck Showalter fueled the fire. Yeah, man, I mean, I don't know if that was the best move on their part. I guess to get me out of the game, it might have worked if they caught me or anything, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I almost lit a fire under my ass and made me want to go even more. You know, I knew I was coming to the end of the line there. You're not really going to push through nine innings right there. Give me that day, Ruth! Give me that day! Um, yeah, I mean, I knew I probably wasn't going to have an opportunity to go nine there, but I knew I was coming to the end of the line, so really just trying to finish strong and got a little emotional at the end of that inning, you know, showing to the crowd a little bit and trying to shut them up but I was able to regather myself and go back out for that seven to finish it. And one more thing on Joe Musgrove. Post-game, he met with the media, and he was asked about his emotion that he showed towards the Mets' dugout after he shut them down. Yeah, I mean, I like a lot of guys on that side. You know, I have nothing against those guys. It's just, you know, the competitor in me um, trying to find an edge there. You know, they came out to get their edge and get me out of the game. So, you know, I took that as a chance to get my edge and, and use whatever I could to, you know, to motivate me to push through that last inning or two. At that point in the game, uh, was it bottom six? I don't know how many pitches I was at, but I figured I was probably you know coming towards the end of the line. We got a really strong bullpen and a couple guys down there that are really fresh. So I knew if I can get it through the, the sixth or seventh, we can go to those guys. And honestly, going into the game, I wasn't thinking about trying to go seven innings. I was just thinking about being as quality as I could for as long as I could. And if that's four innings, if that's five innings, so be it, because uh, we got a really strong bullpen. and you know. The runs early in the game, uh, a couple really good defensive plays allowed me to get through seven. Back to Tony. He was just getting started with his interviews, and he was able to catch up with Padre for life, Manny Machado. Tony asked him how he feels at that very moment. I mean, this is just amazing, man. I mean, this team we've been we've been we've been fighting all year, trying to get to this moment, and you know, as a group, we 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 all came together, man, and, and it's 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 awesome to see, you know, how how, the, how a team could come so close and just focus on one goal. You know, and that's that's what we've been doing. Tony then asked Manny about his thoughts when Joe Musgrove was checked by the umpires. I mean, I was looking up, but I didn't know what was going on at first. I was like, what's going on? Obviously, then the, camp, the umpires come up. and I mean, but then I look up at the scoreboard, and there's only one hit. So I'm like, all right, I see what you're trying to do here. You're trying to get my guy off, off his game. Yep. You know, but Joe, Joe didn't, didn't, that didn't phase Joe. He went out there, and, you know, he kept competing every single, every single outing after that, every pitch after that, and then he showed the emotion after that, you know. That's just who he is. He's a gamer. He's going to go out there and fight every single day, and, you know, he gave us the opportunity to win today, and, man, what a freaking job he did today, man. And, of course, we have to include MVP of the Wild Card Series, Trent Grisham. Tony asked him how he was able to turn it around just in time for the postseason. There's something about the playoffs and the atmosphere and all the belief that uh, my teammates and everybody in this building had, had for me, um, and it paid dividends. Tony also asked him about his incredible catch in center field. Uh, well, it starts with the communication between me and Juan, man. I mean, we built a good chemistry over these last two months that he's been here. Um, he get it's not when we get in those gaps and those balls that are between us. Um, knowing that the center fielder has priority, and then 
it's me seeing out of the peripheral vision, knowing that he's giving me way, gives me that extra confidence, that extra gear to go get the ball. So um, I, I dedicate it all to the communication we have between all three outfitters. With the wild card series behind them and Tony having a full offseason to reflect, I asked him to tell me the word that comes to mind when talking about Nono Joe's performance. Epic. I mean, we San Diego will forever remember uh, the ear check and then the smell me after he punched out the next guy after I, I'll never forget it. And it was it was it was it was so scripted for for Joe, like the dude who's who grew up in the city, rooted for the Padres, gets an opportunity in a closeout game in New York City and puts probably his best outside of the no hitter. Probably his best pitching performance. You could probably say his best pitching performance, considering the stage, it was his best pitching performance. And he did it with swag, too. I mean, he didn't get rattled. Because I think, honestly, I don't blame Buck Joe Walter for what he did. I think at that point, you are trying to pull any lever you can to get him off his game. And to Joe's credit, he didn't budge, man. He he, he got up there. He took the check. I'm sure inside there was some rage in him, but he was all able to get it out after he punched that next dude out and hit him with the, you know, it was, it was, that was, I, I don't, I, I very rarely get the feeling like, like I'm playing, but I remember in the booth, I'm, I felt like I was on the field or in the dugout with him when he did that. And it just, it was just, it was just perfect. It was money. Final totals for the Padres, they scored six runs on ten hits and didn't have an error. And the Mets, they were only able to get one hit all night long. They didn't score any runs and they had no errors. Joe Musgrove gets the win. Chris Bassett takes the loss. The Padres would catch a late plane back to San Diego, but it didn't matter what time it was. Fans lined the entrances of Petco Park and waited for the Padres' buses to arrive. And once they did, the fans showed them how loved they were. In the end, the Padres were still playing baseball and they would have a chance to take down the team many thought couldn't be beat, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Twelve games in October is a 97.3 The Fan and Odyssey original podcast. It was written, edited, researched, and voiced by myself, Matt Scraby. If you want to reach out on social media, you can at Matt Scraby on Instagram and Twitter, M-A-T-T-S-K-R-A-B-Y. I would like to thank Tony Gwynn Jr. for sitting down with me to recap the wildcard series. I would also like to thank Adam Klug and Michael Valenzuela for supporting me in all this. The next episode will be the National League Division Series Game 1 against the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. 